So Danny works in an office full of women, except for two men. Mm-hmm. Right? Used to be three. Used to be three. Now there's only two. Anyway, so both of them were going to be out of the office for a day last week. And they all were like, you know what? Let's have a no dicks party. <laughs> like, just a woman power party. And so they're like, we'll get tacos for lunch. You know, we'll, we're going to like have, we'll have cupcakes. And Danny was like, everyone wants you to make cupcakes for them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm in. Um, let's do this. I was like, oh, it'll be so funny. I'll make like flower cupcakes mm-hmm. that are like, you know, an homage to Georgia O'Keefe. Thank you. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, this will be great. So anyway, I made them, and I'm mixing up the frosting, and two colors of, like, mauve, which yeah. were quite lovely. Yeah. But, so I'm, I'm frosting them with flower petals, and I had, I think, maybe two done, and they were sitting on the counter, and kind of <laughs> caught them out of the corner of my eye, and I was like, oh my god, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> I will share a picture of this on Instagram. I thought about it, but I was like, should I? Should I? I don't know. <laughs> Might be taken down for being too explicit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so it turned out that my cupcakes just looked like a pile of vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> Which was almost the name for this podcast. <laughs> Love you so much. <laughs> oh yeah, no. a good a good name for a metal band. Pile of disembodied vaginas. <laughs> yeah. So then I texted you, mm-hmm. and I texted Peaches, mm. and I was like, <laughs> I made them. <laughs> what did I say? Something about them being like inappropriately accurate or anatomically accurate or something. <laughs> At least with me, you said. I accidentally made the haha no dicks allowed Georgia O'Keeffe subtlety labial flower party cupcakes look all too realistic. (laughs) Send help. (laughs) (laughs) And then I sent you a picture of the cupcakes. Mm -hmm. Which you had. A (laughs) gif. A very good gif of Cece from the nanny's eyes just getting very big. (laughs) And you added the the gold oh the little gold balls yeah i was like they just, just look like <laughs> you pierced them <laughs> right just little gilded clitorises <laughs> clitor eye oh my god so i woke danny up <laughs> she'd been asleep for several hours so i went in and i was like i have to show you this i'm sorry <laughs> and i'm dying laughing so she She's like in her sleepy haze was like, "Oh, that's that's so funny. They look really good." Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the next day, like in, you know, the the bright light of day that she saw them and she was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> and then she was taking pictures of them up close. <laughs> showed it to someone in her office and she was like, "What does this look like?" And then the other woman was like, "What is that?" <laughs> It is very NSFW, for sure. (laughs) I was so embarrassed. I was like, please don't show them to anybody. So anyway, that was, that was that. That's how that 
<laughs> went down. Cupcakes full of labia. I was, bl- I, it's the only cupcake that's ever made me blush before. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, should I send these to my mom? No. No, you should. <laughs> should post them as like bachelorette party. Right? <laughs> cupcake. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. They were very pretty. I was very pleased with them, but. Mm-hmm. Same time, a little, <laughs> little, little ashamed. <laughs> They're delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you just screamed into the microphone. <laughs> Daddy just showed Kiana a picture of them. Just a real close-up. Close at first, I was like, "Why? I know what they look like. You don't need to show me a picture." <laughs> and. Then- like, I thought it was an actual vagina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how fucking anatomically accurate they are. It's a real time. Anyway. Hello, everyone. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this is That Broad's Got Moxie. It sure is. My name is Kiana. I'm Cassie. And Danny's here. Mm-hmm. Showing pictures of... Labia. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Frosting. <laughs> frosting. It's just frosting. <laughs> pretty, pretty on on the nose, though, if you will. <laughs> what episode is this? I don't know. I don't we know. Two forty one, don't we? We. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the way they are listed in Apple Podcasts, we do in fact have two forty ones. <laughs> but we are. Hold on. Let me look. This is episode forty six. Nice. And it is a week before Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And it's a and few days before Hanukkah. Before Hanukkah, yeah. Because that starts on the 22nd. Yeah. Starts on Sunday, sundown. And it's like a week before, a week and one day before Kwanzaa. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you're right. Hot damn. Happy yeah. everything, guys. Yeah, all the holidays are coming in. Yeah, happy... Hot. um festivus uh happy yule that happens on the 21st it's a solstice Mm. all the good things are going to happen in the next couple weeks fun times (laughs) everybody's gonna be getting gifts (laughs) and and sharing their kindness and love Mm -hmm. eating good things that's right oh yes you know what we're having for christmas a charcuterie board Ooh, just Meat and cheese and crackers. <laughs> All day. Sounds good. <laughs> I'm going to be having a full Christmas meal. Several nice. of them. Two of them. Two of them. Three of them, maybe. Two of them. Goodness. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a good time. Also, I'm a little sad it's on a Wednesday this year. Yeah. Like, go to work. One day off. Go back to work. <laughs> and then the next day, the same. Th- next week, the same thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a weird one, but that's okay. Break it up a little bit, you know. Next week, or the week of Christmas, mm-hmm. one of my coworkers is going to be out. Another one just put her two weeks in, so it's just going to be me and one other person. And they told us we're going to be extra busy because to get the way affordable housing works and to get tax credit, uh-huh. you have to have a certain amount of people moved in by the month. Yep. Yep. Just busy bees. Yep. Doing good things, though, so that's good. Yeah. And it's a good, I mean, getting 
people off the streets. Yeah, absolutely. During absolutely. like a cold season. Mm-hmm. It's always extra rewarding. Extra rewarding. Indeed. All right. So what did we say was episode 46? Yep. The so that means I get to go first. Yep. Woo, woo. Just like you do every other episode because that's how we do things. You know what? I don't have to listen to this. I mean, technically, you have technically, to listen I to have me. To. <laughs> Shit, I have to be the peanut gallery. Mm-hmm. Well, right now I'm oh. peanut. You are. Aw, little peanut. Oh, um, Jimmy. <laughs> I saw something about Jimmy Carter that I was going to share with you the other day. Yeah, he was. <laughs> He is a UTI. Oh, thank you. I didn't know that. <laughs> that was not it. I saw something and I wanted I was going to send it to you and be like, here's another reason why he's just so great. Oh. <laughs> he was- <laughs> I'm glad you're updated on his. Well, he was in the news and it was like Jimmy Carter t- in the hospital. And I was like, oh, no, he's he's gonna die oh no and then i was like oh false alarm he just has a uti he just can't pee it's fine <laughs> he just needs some cranberry juice <laughs> that's it <laughs> i'll sort him out <laughs> so it is my turn i already told you last week who i'm doing this week you sure did because it's a bummer <laughs> <laughs> huge bummer so this week i'm doing the radium girls Ooh. which is a really great book i mean hold on it's on sale at Barnes and Noble. Is it really? I, when I was Christmas shopping, I saw oh. it and was like, "Hey, I've heard of that. I haven't read it. I didn't buy it." Typically, <laughs> good story, bro. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really a good storyteller. <laughs> okay, so for all this information, I used Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And then I also you I listened to the book The Radium Girls: The Dark Story of America's Shining Women, and that was written by Kate Moore. So those are my. Also, they talked about it in the Poisoner's Handbook: Murder and the Birth of Forensic Medicine mm. by Deborah Bloom. Also, a very good book. Okay, listen to that one as well. Okay, Sue. So, since we talked about this last week, I won't cover too much of the like background. If you haven't, if you don't know, go back listen to Marie Curie's story. You know, mm-hmm. do that. So radium it was discovered by Marie Curie. It was an exciting, innovative element that, when used daily, would improve health and vigor, or so mm. they thought. <laughs> Shortly after it was found to kill cancer cells. Radium was suddenly being advertised as a cure-all in the most conspicuous places. It's in toothpaste, cosmetics, water, and even butter. Uh, Because, uh, yay, (laughs) it'll put a pep in your step, you know. Oh, no. Just slather it on your toast. Ew. Mm -hmm. I won't. It produced seemingly magical effects. Tired all the time? Looking a little worn down? Can't get it up? Here, have some radium. (laughs) In fact, newspapers reported its use would, quote, add years to your lives. So that's where we're at. Yeah. (laughs) Just a sack of lies. Sack of lies. (laughs) Big sack of lies that made a shitload of money. (laughs) Yay. That's (laughs) capitalism, baby. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. So World War One is in full swing, and hundreds of working-class women are looking for ways to make money and provide for their families. 
So they saw this Help Wanted ad for a new exciting position as a watch painter. Many young women and girls flocked to the building that now belonged to the United States Radium Corporation to try and snag this amazing opportunity. Many of them were teenagers with little dainty lady hands, perfect for the precise work. And so they told all of their girlfriends and they brought in like their sisters and cousins and besties to join the team. Uh, The young ladies were sat at long benches with a little pot of green paint, a camel hair paintbrush, and a stack of unpainted watch faces or military dials. Their job? Paint teeny tiny little lines with this glowing green material. Soup's easy, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Totally. This was, after all, quote, the elite job for the poor working girls. It paid more than three times the average factory job, which came out to about 1.5 cents per (laughs) dial. So really, dollar dollar bills. (laughs) Just raking in that cash. I just want to say God bless the union for minimum wage, for maximum work hours. Amen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Health and safety regulations. Thanks, OSHA. (laughs) Exactly. So these women were lucky enough to land one of these coveted positions that gave them not only financial freedom, but also sick bragging rights. (laughs) (laughs) Because I got the 411. The new recruits obediently followed the technique that they'd been taught for the painstaking handiwork of painting the tiny dials, some of which were only 3.5 centimeters wide. That's very small. Yeah. (laughs) That's itty bitty. The girls were instructed to slip the paintbrushes between their lips to make it a fine point. A practice that was called lip pointing. So it was the lip dip paint Mm -hmm. routine. So every time the girls put the brushes in their mouth, they swallowed a tiny bit of this glowing green paint. Which, first of all... Gross. Yeah. Don't put things in your mouth. Yeah, unless it's... Clean. Food. And food. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, if you're going to put other things in there, like, make sure they're not toxic. (laughs) (laughs) You can put a lot of things in your mouth, actually. Just make sure it's not poison. (laughs) Clearly, Kiana and I are putting different things in our mouths. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Heavens. Is it getting warm in here? A little bit. All right. Back to vagina cupcakes. (laughs) Okay. The first thing we asked was, quote, does this stuff hurt you? Naturally, you don't want to put anything in your mouth that isn't going to hurt you. Uh, the manager said... What? Wait, hold on. What? What? Did, say that again? Okay, hold on. <laughs> Naturally, you don't want to put something in your mouth that is going to hurt you. Did I say it the wrong way? You said isn't. All right. <laughs> Let me start again. Right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> also, this is a quote. I'm sorry. Quote. The first thing we asked was, does this stuff hurt you? Naturally, you don't want to put anything in your mouth that is going to hurt you. 
Mr. Savoy, the manager, said that it wasn't dangerous and that we need not be afraid. Uh, that was a quote from Mae Cubberly, mm. who was a radium girl. But that wasn't true. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since radium had been discovered, it had been known to cause harm. Marie Curie herself had suffered radiation burns from handling it. Ooh. Yeah, not great. Fun fact. People had died. A lot of them had died from radiation poisoning. That was why the men, mm, the men at the radium companies wore lead aprons in their laboratories and handled the radium with ivory-tipped tongs. Unfortunately, those details were not passed on to the young ladies putting it in their mouths. I... Yeah. Wow. What? Yeah, exactly. Just so different. <laughs> but wait, there's more! Oh, no. Mm-hmm. In addition to its purported... Purpo- pur- purported? Pur- is that a word? Girl, I'm not the one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Whatever. Claimed. All of these, like, claimed, like, wonderful health benefits... <clears throat> Thank you. That was good. (laughs) Claimed as much better than purported. Um, It was also really pretty. (laughs) I get it. Yeah. Uh, The young ladies working in the paint studios would wear their best dresses to work so that they would be glowing by the end of the day. They painted their nails with it, sprinkled it in their hair, and would paint it on their teeth to really show off that bright, shiny smile. (laughs) It's like the... Harry Styles music video. Yes. Adore you. Oh my god. <laughs> the one that made me cry. Yeah. Fish. Oh. Oh, I hope he cute. didn't put radium on his teeth. I hope not. I don't think so. He, I, it didn't shine like that, isn't it? Didn't shine like that. It was just It was very clearly post production. Yeah. <laughs> shine. <laughs> really got that CGI going. <laughs> uh the dial painters soon became known as ghost girls because they glowed in the dark. And they were about to die. (laughs) Also that. (laughs) Yep. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. In 1922, a young woman named Molly Meggia had to quit her job because she was sick. Molly had enjoyed her job as a dial painter working at the United States Radium Corporation in Orange, New Jersey for almost two years. She didn't know what was wrong with her. She she was exhausted, she had a terrible toothache, and she just couldn't take it anymore. So she went to the dentist who pulled the tooth, and then the next tooth started hurting and also had to be extracted. And in place of the missing teeth, agonizing, painful ulcers developed and also made her mouth and gums bleed. She then suffered aching pains in her arms and legs so severe that they eventually left her unable to walk. Mm. Her doctor said it was rheumatism and sent her home with aspirin. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I took yeah. aspirin this morning for a headache. <laughs> exactly. It's not going to heal anything. It's, and it's certainly not going to put any kind of a damper on this kind of pain. Yeah. Which is, I know we're like, haha, joking about a lot of this, but... Yeah. Boy, it's bad, it's, and it's terrible, and it's... Ugh. It's gruesome. It's gruesome and heartbreaking. Yeah. And unfair. It w- And it's not, like, a quick nope. poisoning. Like, they, no. all these women suffered 
And people knew they were going yep. to suffer and yep. just let them do it. Mm-hmm. So by May of that year, so we're still in 1922, Molly could not take it any longer. By then, most of her teeth had been extracted or had just fallen out. And this huge infection had spread. Her entire lower jaw, the roof of her mouth, and even some of the bones in her ears were said to have to be, quote, one large abscess. I know. It gets worse. I'm so sorry. When her dentist delicately prodded at her jawbone in her mouth, mm-hmm. to his horror and shock, it broke against his fingers. Oh, my God. I know. Okay. Getting a little... I know, I'm really sorry. He removed it, quote, not by an operation, but merely by putting his fingers in her mouth and lifting it out. That's like... Oh, my God. They're so frail. It's... it's, Oh, my God. I can't even. I can't even, like... I'm reading this out loud, and I'm like... Okay, here we go. Oh, I'm my fine. God. Everything's fine. Oh, my God. It's not, but we're, we're going to make it through here. Are we? Are we? <laughs> I hope so. I'm so sorry. I told you guys it was going to be a bummer. Okay, she was literally falling apart, and she wasn't the only one. By then, her friend Grace Fryer, who worked at the, the um, Radium Corporation with her, was having trouble with her jaw and also suffering pains in her feet. And so were the other Radium girls. On September 12, 1922, the strange infection that had plagued Molly for less than a year. Um, I don't think I should even read that part. It's pretty... I'm not going to read it. It's can bad. I, can I read it just so I know? Yes, you can. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to... I'm just going <laughs> to... It gets a little graphic. I'm going to skip a couple she, of sentences. Yeah, you know what to say. <laughs> this is for Danny's sake. Yeah. We're not going to read it out loud. Yeah. If you are interested in knowing the very, the very upsetting, gory fucking truth of mm-hmm. it, please go listen or read one of the books that I suggested. It has a lot of really, really great detailed information about these women and their fucking fight to try and get some semblance of justice. I, I highly suggest just reading the book because there are some things that I was, when I was doing my homework, I put it in here, but having to actually <laughs> read it out loud, yeah. it's like, I don't think I can do this. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I put it on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll even put it on Patreon. It might well, be we on put the show notes on. That's true. We can put the show notes on Patreon. So go be a patron. Because <laughs> that's up. Everybody. Okay. Anyway. September 12th. This illness that she'd had less than a year spread through the tissues of her throat. That being said, at five o'clock that day, uh, that day. at five o'clock that day, she died at the age of 24. Her doctors, who were hella confused, wrote on her death certificate that she had died of syphilis. Yeah. Which is fucked up. Yeah. The young women's employer, USRC, denied any responsibility for the deaths for almost two years. Finally, in 1924, they commissioned an expert to look into the rumored link between the dial painting profession <laughs> and the women's deaths. Rumored my ass. <laughs> rumored. It's only a coincidence that every single one of them <laughs> was experiencing excruciating pain and in dying horrific deaths. Yeah. But, you know. 
Suspected. Mere coincidence. <laughs> Alleged deaths. <laughs> it wouldn't be... <laughs> Hold on. It's not an, it's no, not an no. alleged death. No, no, they no. did die. <laughs> I put the wrong word in the wrong spot. Look. We're getting back to the story. Okay. Through the company's own, quote, research into radium safety, this study was independent. And when the results came back that the radium was the cause of the girl's problems, the president of the company was outraged. Because <laughs> his... Because <laughs> his bribe to scientists that he hired to investigate yeah. his own company didn't work. Yep. But to protect uh, his bottom line and ensure his company continued to make money, he paid for new studies that published the opposite conclusion. He also lied to the Department of Labor, which had also began investigating. He went to the public and claimed the women were trying to blame his perfectly safe company on their illnesses and basically shamed them for trying to seek financial help from him. Because he's a huge fucking dick. Yeah. Wow. I don't believe this at all. I don't believe that a giant corporation... <laughs> I know. I know. It's, doesn't it blow your fucking mind? Doesn't make sense. I know. It ruins the sanctity of corporations. <laughs> the sanctity. Yes, exactly. We're clearly, they're mudslinging. <laughs> That's all they are. Slander. <sighs> okay. With the truth casually swept under the rug, the women still needed to prove that they were sick because of the radium they were ingesting all day. So in 1925, a doctor named Harrison Martland actually developed his own tests and equipment that would prove once and for all that radium was the smoking gun. Martland explained what was happening inside their bodies. As early as 1901, it had been evident that radium could, could harm humans dramatically when applied externally. Mm -hmm. So Pierre Curie... Marie Curie's husband, mm -hmm. once said that he would not want to be in a room with a kilo of pure radium because he believed it would burn off all of his skin, destroy his eyesight, and probably kill him. This is the man married to the woman who found it. Yeah. And he was like, nope. <laughs> I don't like that shit. <laughs> no. So, put it in your mouth. It's good for you. What? All right. <clears throat> All right. When, ra when radium was used internally, even in tiny amounts, the damage was many thousands of times greater. So the body absorbs radium the same way it absorbs calcium. It dissolves in the stomach and is absorbed through the lining of the small intestine into the bloodstream. Hmm. Once in the bloodstream, that ingested radium settles into the women's bodies Mm -hmm. And like through their bloodstream, and it is, goes to the bone marrow, right? Yeah. And where calcium would help build bone, mm -hmm. radium was essentially giving them osteoporosis mm -hmm. and just making them into little tiny honeycombs, like boring holes yeah. through their bones. The constant radiation was breaking down their skeletons. Many girls suffered extreme pain and destruction of their jaws, backs, legs, and hips. 
all the big bones. Yeah. The, f- the sheer force of gravity was crushing them. Their damaged, irradiated bones also began to glow from inside their bodies, giving them a ghostly appearance in the dark. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't the radium that glows <laughs> that no. was causing this. No, clearly not. No, it, it was wasn't. something else. It was a coincidence that their bones were glowing, mm-hmm. like what radium makes things do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Totally. Yeah, yeah. We're not mudslinging here. We're no. just. Clearly. Yeah. Something else. Something's going on. This is really fishy. Wish you could survive. Wish you could, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Dr. Martland discovered that radium poisoning is fatal uh, because there's no way to remove it from the body. Yeah. No amount of charcoal powder is going (laughs) to suck that up. I don't know why, but you looking into my eyes and saying, no, charcoal powder really sent me. (laughs) With the help of Dr. Martland, the girls began to rally together to not only get the compensation for their pain and suffering they deserved, but they also wanted to stop others from dying from radium. This is a quote from Grace, Grace Fryer. It is not for myself I care. I'm thinking more of the hundreds of girls to whom this may serve as an example. So first they needed a lawyer who was willing to take this difficult case. At that time, radium poisoning was not a compensable, 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 compensationable. That's not how you say it, but that's what I mean. Yes, it was, it was a disease, it was something, it was an illness that was happening to them Mm -hmm. that they could not be compensated for. Mm -hmm. But the word is compensable, but I don't know how to say it. Compensable. No. (laughs) You're adding more (laughs) syllables than necessary. (laughs) Compensable. It's not surprising that I'm not pronouncing this right. Compensationable. Um. Compens- we'll just say compensationable. <laughs> We're not scholars. So it wasn't a compensable disease because it hadn't been discovered until the girls got sick. So they got sick and then were like, hey, radium is killing us. And they were like, really? <laughs> That's not on our list. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's funny and sad. It, yeah. There was also <laughs> that pesky statute of limitations, which ruled that victims of occupational poisoning had to bring their legal cases within two years. What Got about it. like asbestos? Nope. Is that still a, is that a still a statute of limitations or is I don't know, but I know that people are still suffering major health problems for it. But yeah, it was essentially like that. It was like we're dying of asbestos, and they were like, "What's asbestos?" Yeah. <laughs> or like lead in the paint. Yes, exactly. Gotta love those uh, those statute of limitations. Real, real great. Yeah. Not. How hold fucking broken are... <laughs> Please, hold comp- corporations fucking responsible. And this is why our system is so fucking broken. Yeah. <clears throat> because private insurance agencies don't want to pay things for... Pay people for these for kinds of things. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. For their pain and suffering caused... A- by a direct thing. a direct fucking link to their company yeah weird yep yep all right every new 
everyone knew that this was some serious bullshit. Because <laughs> we all know that statute of limitations are. In 1927, a young Sometimes lawyer... Good. <laughs> what? Sometimes they're good. I don't that, know. <laughs> mm, are they, though? When a crime I happens... Know. I don't know. <laughs> I think statute of limitations on some things shouldn't be there. But statute of limitations do protect some people. Okay. I will agree with that. That's fair. But the also, ones that I am, <laughs> the ones that always, I hear like about, minorities. <laughs> that's true. The ones that I hear about most most often, and what I listen to, oh, and yeah. what I read, are like sexual violence and yeah, you, you know, know. There's definite there. Yeah. It's a thing that needs to be reexamined. Absolutely. I'm I'm not going to uh, say let's throw them all out, but in this case, in yeah. cases of rape and sexual assault. 110%. Yeah. We should <laughs> yeah. throw those statute of limitations out and throw everybody in jail. Much like most things in the criminal justice system need to yeah. be some fucking reevaluated. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's what we'll we should put a be period surprised. on the end of that. <laughs> All right. In 1927, a young lawyer named Raymond Berry took their case, and Grace, along with Edna Hussman, Catherine Schaub, Quinta McDonald, and Albina Larice found themselves at the center of an internationally famous courtroom drama. By now, however, time was running out. The women had all been given a terrible prognosis. They had only about four months to live. Mm. The company found every reason to hold off on the court proceedings, and as a consequence, Grace and her friends were forced to settle out of court. Mm. Yeah. So, the New Jersey Radium Girls case was front page news, and it sent shockwaves across America. In Ottawa, Illinois, a dial painter by the name of Catherine Wolfe read the coverage with horror. Said, quote, There were meetings at our plant that bordered on riots. The chill of fear was so depressing that we could scarcely work. Yet the company Catherine worked for, Radium Dial, also denied any responsibility for their workers' illnesses. They had done similar tests, gotten the same results, and lied to everyone about it. There seems to be a pattern forming here. <laughs> Weird. But, you know, it's definitely not the radium. Yeah. Let's they stop blaming it. Yeah, Exactly. It's totally safe. Yeah. Put it in your butter. However, they took it one step further. They paid for all kinds of false information and even stole women's bones to make sure no one knew. Oh, my God. Yep. So, let me just, let me just clarify here. So, they had paid a bunch of doctors mm-hmm. and dentists to say that these women were dying from illnesses that were not radium poisoning. And much like Molly, on her death certificate, like Mm -hmm. syphilis was the cause. Mm -hmm. All of these things were being said to fucking gaslight these women into thinking there was something wrong with them that... Excuse me. Into thinking... That whatever was wrong with them was not what they believed it to be. Yeah. Right? They came in going, I'm sick. I don't know what's wrong. Mm -hmm. And instead of them actually telling them, oh, I don't know, 
maybe you're being poisoned by the shit you put in your mouth at work. Yeah. They said, oh, you have syphilis. And then nobody talked about it because that's a dirty... Shameful at the time. It's shameful. Exactly. Not now. Not now. Yeah, exactly. But at the time, you didn't talk about that. You didn't want to tell anybody that. So everybody kept quiet. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I'm livid. (laughs) I, I, like, don't know what to say. I met at everybody. I know. If the women weren't killed off by the same jaw problems that had taken Molly Magia, they eventually suffered from sarcomas, which are just, like, they're bone tumors, but they can grow in your anywhere mm-hmm. in your body. One dial painter, Irene Laporta, died from a massive pelvic tumor that was said to be, quote, larger than two footballs. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. In 1938, Catherine Donahue, that was her married name, Mm -hmm. developed a grapefruit-sized tumor that bulged on her hip. Like Molly Maggia before her, she had lost her teeth, and she was just crumbling. Yeah. She watched her friends die around her and was not going to take this shit anymore, but it wouldn't be easy. When Catherine took her fight to court... America was right in the middle of the Great Depression, mm-hmm. and jobs were very few and far between. Mm-hmm. So, not only is she dealing with her own health crisis, but the community around her scorned her for trying to take down one of the few businesses that were left standing. So, there was fucking no one to On stand hers. by her. Yeah. Which is just, it's just heartbreaking. She could not walk and therefore did not go to the courthouse during her case. However, she gave her testimony and shared evidence from her deathbed. Like, the jurors came to her house, which is a very small place, packed these 12 men, all Uh, men, uh. into her living room. And they all listened to her story. Mm -hmm. Her unrelenting courage, along with the help of her lawyer, Leonard Grossman... She finally won justice, not only for herself, but for Mm. workers everywhere. So after pleading and pleading and pleading. Yeah. I think I get the impression from what I listened to and stuff that once these jurors came and saw her, Mm -hmm. because up until then, it was just a bunch of science talk and descriptions And I think seeing it Mm -hmm. in front of their eyes and listening to her story, knowing that she was never going to recover from this, Mm -hmm. I think led them to, you know, to make the right decision. Yeah. The Radium Girls case was one of the first in which an employer was made responsible for the health of the company's employees. It led to life-saving regulations and ultimately to the establishment of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, which is OSHA. OSHA. Mm-hmm. Thank God for OSHA. Right. <laughs> um, the Radium Girls were independent, ambitious, fearless young women trying to make a life for themselves. But because of corporate greed, many of those bright, shining lights were snuffed out much too early. But since radium has a half-life of 1,600 years, their history and bones will continue to shine for many years to come. Oh. 
The end. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm a little choked up. Yeah. (laughs) It's so sad. Yeah. It's It's really upsetting, Mm -hmm. but it's also like, I'm glad we're talking about them and acknowledging what happened to them and how it's like a direct line of how we're treated today as workers Mm -hmm. in terms of like, we should be safe at work. Yes, exactly. No no job is worth dying for. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I am very thankful for the fight that these women Mm -hmm. put forth. Yeah. For everybody. Many, hundreds of thousands of women between, I think there were, there was the one in Orange, New Jersey. There was the one in Ottawa. I think there was another one. I want to say it was in Canada. Just Mm -hmm. like right like, if he, here's New Jersey, here's Ottawa, Illinois, I think there was one at, like, the top of the triangle there. Mm-hmm. But the thousands of young teenagers and young women mm-hmm. who went to work in these places to fucking make something of themselves and to do their part for the war effort, etc., mm-hmm. they really, they tr- they made a hell of a fucking sacrifice an unwilling sacrifice. An they, un- they didn't ask for this. No, exactly. An unwilling sacrifice so that everyone who works, whether it be in an office mm-hmm. or on a construction site or in a lab, like mm-hmm. you and I, you like I do and you used to, mm-hmm. like there are lots and lots and lots of, you know. Hazardous things. Hazardous things around. And they're the ones who... Mm-hmm. Who had to had to make the sacrifice mm-hmm. and put the fight forward for all of us. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. Radium Girls. Mm. They're heroes. Yeah. They really are. Definitely. All right. That was very good. Thank you. I'm sorry that was so sad and yeah. really stressful to listen to. Yeah. So. I mean, it was very enlightening. Mm-hmm. It's important. Yeah. And we have to address all of the, all of the worst parts you know, mm-hmm. of history to to learn from them and grow, you know. Yeah. That's why learning history is important. Exactly. Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea doesn't listen. It's cool. Okay. <laughs> There's a person in somebody's life here, one of the three, who said, just to give background information, Andrea said that hit- learning history is not important. Mm-hmm. And we all know, I don't want to throw her under the bus or anything, but that's stupid. Girl. (laughs) (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, (laughs) that's the tea. (laughs) What are you talking about today? Anyways. (laughs) You know how we were taught, like, had a really serious conversation just a few seconds ago? It's important to learn history. Anyways, today I'm going to talk about Mrs. Claus. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Who's not historical really at all. Yay! <laughs> I feel like... Look, we are at opposite ends of the spectrum today, and I really am feeling it. We I was started with a real sad story, and now we're going up, up, up. <laughs> this is like when you talked about Griselda Blanco, and I was still reeling, and then had to come in and was like, anyways, today I'm going to talk about the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> uh, we're so dynamic. I love it. Um, I was going to do this Christmas Day. But then I was like, maybe I'll do it a week before so that if you can learn your fun Mrs. Claus facts yes, and then have it for Christmas. Okay, perfect. So, anywho, 
my sources today are <laughs> a Mental Floss article called The Secret History of Mrs. Claus by Kate Horowitz, another article called The History of Mrs. Claus from the Girl Museum, and an article called Mrs. Claus from historybecauseitshere.com by Kathy Warrens and Curveball, <laughs> an entry from iloveindia.com. <laughs> I love India.com is so good. I didn't know why it was. That's, I mean, that's almost as good as the better India. Right. <laughs> okay. Let us begin. Okay. Mrs. Claus is, as many people know, Santa Claus's wife. She's typically depicted as an older woman, stout in stature, with gray or white hair and glasses. Mm-hmm. She's the matriarch of the Christmas season, and is good-natured, cheerful, and kind. Her first name is not agreed upon. <laughs> That's why we call her <laughs> Mrs. Claus. <laughs> and she's actually gone by many different names, um, including Amelia, Jessica, Mary, and Anna. Oh. Oh, okay. I know one of them from Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I didn't recognize any of them. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh. That's because, you know, I don't... There's not a lot of Mrs. Claus lore. There isn't. And that's because... It's sort of fairly new. Oh, okay. Like, in terms of, like, Christmas lore being really long, Mm -hmm. Mrs. Claus was introduced very late in the game. Interesting. Okay. I wonder what came first, elves or Mrs. Claus? I think elves. Mm, That makes sense. Yeah. Because there needed to be an explanation of all of the work that's being done. So, the celebration and lore of Christmas, including Santa Claus, has evolved over the years. Now, as some people may or may not know, Santa Claus as we know him today in mainstream media is not at all what the original guy was like. Santa Claus is based on the historical character of St. Nicholas, who was believed to be born around 270 AD in the area that is now Turkey. Mm. And he gained a reputation as, like, just being an anonymous gift giver Uh to those less fortunate. Although it's not impossible for a 4th century Turkish bishop to have had a wife, Mrs. Claus wasn't always a staple character in Christmas legends. In fact, up until 1849, Santa was considered a bachelor. Oh. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow. In 1849, Mrs. Claus was introduced in James Reed's The Story, A Christmas Legend. In the story, a poor family lets two weary travelers into their house on Christmas Eve. That sounds familiar. Who, it turns out, (laughs) are Mr. and Mrs. Claus. But then in a turn of events, they're actually in double disguise. Oh. (laughs) And they're not weary travelers or the Clauses, but actually long-lost family members. Oh, that's kind of lovely. Even if it wasn't really the Clauses, though, Mm -hmm. this is the first time there's any reference to being a female there being a female counterpart to Santa. Okay. And thus, Mrs. Claus was tentatively introduced. <laughs> After this story, she then begins to appear in more and more stories, including a story in the Yale Literary Magazine in the year 1851, oh. a Christmas musical in 1854, and in the children's book Lil in Santa Claus Land and other stories. Fun. Okay. While her name and image were becoming more frequent at this time, she was never given any real personality. Uh, (laughs) Weird. She was mostly just a background character making cookies in the shadows. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Just like every once in a while you'd just see her. She's a doting wife. Like (laughs) she should be. Yeah. 
<laughs> in the kitchen where she should be not she's being seen not heard mm-hmm. just like women should always be exactly that's what we believe here <laughs> <laughs> we're really turning around our beliefs on this. <laughs> really from the first to this one In 1889, though, her character was finally given a more central role in the Christmas lore in a poem entitled Goody Santa Claus, written by Catherine Lee Bates, not to be confused with misery actress (laughs) Kathy Doyle Bates, who was not alive in 1889. Are you sure? I think she might be. (laughs) She might be immortal. When I read Catherine Lee Bates, I was like, why is that name familiar? Do I know her from other, like, <laughs> stories or whatever? And then I looked up Catherine Bates, mm-hmm. dropped the middle name. Fun. But also, Kath- Kathy Lee ba- not Lee, <laughs> Kathy Bates, mm-hmm. the modern one. Her name is Kathleen. It's not Catherine. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, side note. I listened to uh, Kathy Bates read Misery, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> this is my least favorite. It's so scary. <laughs> I don't like it at all. Kathy Bates is amazing. <sighs> She's a fucking She's gem. So so talented. Yeah, she is. But anyways, this is not about her. This isn't about her. <laughs> this is about Mrs. Claus. I just wanted to make it clear that this <gasps> Maybe is- Kathy Bates should play Mrs. Claus in misery. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Really turn around on this. really the went rep. a dark road. <laughs> this is Danny's fault. I blame both of you. <laughs> Stephen King, are you listening? Let's make this happen. This would be really, really good Christmas movie. There hasn't been a good one in like a yeah. while. Yeah. Like an iconic one. Mm-hmm. Kathy Bates as Mrs. Claus breaking Santa's legs. <laughs> Listen, I think we got something here. <laughs> Aren't we trying to put a positive spin on this? I don't know what you two are doing. So maybe I'm just really mad at men right I think now. You because are. after the first story, just ready to break All ankles. <laughs> Shatter some kneecaps. Um, where was I? I oh, know. Goody Santa Claus. Okay. So in the poem, Goody Santa Claus, short for good wife. Goody was short for oh, good okay. wife. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which was a common way to say Mrs. at the time. That's cute. Yeah. That's just I a like fun that. fact. Mrs. Claus convinces Santa Claus to take her along on the sleigh ride to <gasps> deliver gifts. Uh-huh. She's assertive in the poem and says that she deserves this. After all, she's performed every, like, menial task Mm -hmm. or not menial actually every task back at the north pole so she gets the toys ready for him so she like manages the elves Mm -hmm. and not only that she tends to the christmas trees she tended to the thanksgiving turkeys because apparently she does that Mm -hmm. and she tends to the chickens that lay easter eggs which (laughs) apparently santa's got his fingers in all the holiday pies (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's a good point. You know what? In, in this, there is. The nor- Danny made a good point about Thanksgiving being at the North Pole. Also, is there Easter at the North Pole? 
Not Easter's more universal than yeah, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's very specific to America. It is. Hmm. Mm. Really poked a hole in that, <laughs> that fantasy there. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Really? Also, I love that Danny's insinuation that she might not take care of the Thanksgiving turkeys in the North Pole ruined you, but her talking about Mrs. Claus breaking Santa's ankles, totes fine. I love empowerment. <laughs> regardless if she's taking care of those thanksgiving turkeys or not her job is year round and santa only really gets his business done day of yeah so she asks him why should you have all the glory of the joyous christmas story and poor little goody santa claus has nothing but work that's fucking right which i always say this the husbands of the women we cover are trash (laughs) and that's (laughs) Including Santa Claus now. <laughs> I just want that to be clear. Like, seriously, in e- in Imagination Land, mm-hmm. where Santa lives, women have to do all the work and mm-hmm. men get credit for it. Oh, God. Trash, garbage. Preach. Santa sister. Claus, canceled. <laughs> Mrs. Claus, we stand you. Yes. <laughs> we stand Mrs. Claus. <laughs> Mrs. Claus was sick of this mistreatment, and so she went on that damn sleigh ride and had the time of her life. <laughs> Even after Santa tried keeping her from actually delivering presents, she was oh intent on doing what she came all the way from the North Pole to do. That's right. So she jumped down the chimney as well <laughs> and gave good treats to all the good little children in the mm-hmm. world. This determined and hardworking depiction of Mrs. Claus was far ahead of its time in 1889 yeah and so for a short while mrs claus went back to being depicted as a side character Mm -hmm. for christmas tales remember it would be a few more years before some women even were given the opportunity to vote or join the workforce in america so this this depiction was like and that's why there was only one because they were like whoa 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 (laughs) let's reel that back in we can't be given these other women ideas exactly So, in 1960, Mrs. Claus was brought back for a central role in Phyllis McGintley's book, How Mrs. Claus Saved Christmas. Oh. And that's that's many years. Like, Mm -hmm. the gap is huge. Yeah, it is. In in a society more open to feminist beliefs, Mrs. Claus was more readily given the right to speak and exist in Christmas tales. People mostly agreed on Mrs. Claus's character being a perfect, caring wife who takes care of her husband, but as her character ages in popular culture, she more readily depicts women in society. So she's starting to reflect. Uh, Yeah, yeah. For instance, in the 1970 film, Santa is Coming to Town. That's the one I know. (laughs) Mrs. Claus is a teacher that meets Santa in the movie and helps him thwart a dictator in their town, preventing him from delivering presents. That's so cute. I love it. (laughs) In In another instance, in 1996... There was a television musical where Mrs. Claus was played by Angela Lansbury. (gasps) What a gem. (laughs) In the musical, Mrs. Claus is depicted as a woman tired in her marriage 
and a woman needing to take charge of her own life. Yes, girl. She ends up in Manhattan um, (laughs) (laughs) after her sleigh crashed. And while she's there, using her wit, intelligence, and determination, she leads a suffragist parade to win women the right to vote. And she organized children in the toy factory to fight for child labor laws. Oh my god, (laughs) this is perfect. I gotta watch that movie. I yes, <laughs> Angela Lansbury, Lansbury as Mrs. Claus fighting for the right to vote and child and child labor, labor laws. Brilliant, done, perfect. Which, if she's doing that, you know the elves are being treated right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So labor laws for elves, much like Dobby fought for. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Different type of elf, but I'm into it. <laughs> Thanks for that clarification. <laughs> There's so many depiction. What's your... Um, before I finish this up. Uh-huh. What's your favorite depiction of elves? Is it like Lord of the Rings elves? Is it like Harry Potter? Is it Christmas? I like the elves in Elf. Because <laughs> they're just... They're like... Perfect. <laughs> they're... Yeah. Judgmental. They are. Okay. I take that back. No, I like the house... I like house elves. I prefer my elves to be, like, real cute. And I think some of, like, like, Dobby is adorable, right? Mm-hmm. But um, the one who lives in yeah. the other, in, like, the secret In the black house. mansion. Creature. Yeah. Creature. The, the black house? In the big, yeah, in the black house. To be, to be clear, serious, serious black. Serious black's home. Yes. His house elf, <laughs> Creature, is, like, he's kind of creepy, yeah. You know? I don't know. I, I prefer my elves to be... I like Elf on the Shelf a lot. <laughs> With do you his, like, like Mench on the Bench? With and little cheery... Yes, I do. <laughs> what? Mench on the Bench. Have you heard that? It's the Hanukkah version of Elf on the Shelf. Mm-hmm. A little Jewish man on a bench. That's very cute. I like the <gasps> yeah, the Keebler elves. elves. Yeah, because they good. make cookies. I'm into that's, that. Yeah, <laughs> and they're small. They're really small. They're little, little, and they live in trees. I like that. That's, yes. Way to go, you. Yeah. No, Ten points for Gryffindor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to the story. Just this is my wrap up. Okay. It's a, it was a very short tale because uh, yeah. there's honestly not a lot on Mrs. Claus. <laughs> <laughs> because she's a background character in most things. Mm-hmm. Anyways. More and more. As time goes on, Mrs. Claus is increasingly liberated and given more agency as a character. Even though Christmas is still dominated by classic male figures, including Santa Claus, the male reindeer, the little drummer boy, and Jesus, to name a few. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Claus is that bitch, and without her, there is no Christmas. Mrs. Claus, as the sole female figure in Christmas tales... Because there aren't many, which I didn't realize until mm-hmm. it was pointed out to me. As a sole female figure in Christmas tales, she's been maintaining a Christmas space for women, and her power will only grow with time. Soon, we as a society will rightfully kill the presence of Santa <laughs> and live under the reign of Mrs. Claus. <laughs> Even if that doesn't happen, maybe one day we'll give Mrs. Claus a name. Oh, yay! <laughs> Very good. I love that. Thanks for really bringing things back up. <laughs> I. Kill 
<laughs> start with starts breaking his ankles. Yeah. And then Maybe she teaching will... him some respect. Yeah. That's, that's right. <laughs> I'm gonna shut that patriarchy down. <laughs> that was so good. That's so fun. Yeah, but there aren't you're right, there aren't a lot of female figures. Maybe the sugar plum fairy? Maybe. And the nutcracker is the nutcracker is male. Oh, but yeah, the, I was like the, the nutcracker is what? <laughs> <laughs> but the girl in the nutcracker. Oh, Marie. Who just I've, when this comes out, the I put it on our Insta. The New York Ballet just had their first black girl play Marie. Yeah. Which has never happened before, which is fucking mind-blowing. Yeah. It's gross. (laughs) But congratulations, (laughs) we've made it somewhere. (laughs) I I like ballet a lot. I do, too. But I also think that they have, they're very traditional mm-hmm. and in some ways it's very unfair. Oh, absolutely. In terms of like women's bodies have to be this way if they're going to be in ballet. Yep. And this is the first time we've had a black ballerina play mm-hmm. Maria and the Nutcracker. It's, yeah, it's a constant struggle. I'm sure for, I mean, for you, for all of us and for, I'm sure a ton of our listeners who are like. I love this thing, whether it be ballet mm-hmm. or music or, you know, whatever. It's like seeing it's great and we love it, but it would be better <laughs> if there was a little more representation. There's always room for improvement. Exactly. That's why we have to kill Santa. <laughs> I need you to stop saying that. <laughs> Sorry. I guess that's not very festive. Nope. <laughs> This is our week before Christmas episode. And you're like, Kill Santa. <laughs> Rip that man to shreds. Uh, all right. Well, is that it? Is yeah. that all we got? That's it from us. Yeah. If you like, if you like us, which mm-hmm. you should by now, if you're still listening to us. That's true. Probably think be, we're great. Might be some first time listeners. That's true. Oh, boy. Some. <laughs> some real Santa Claus. <laughs> some real Santa Claus fans are like these bitches. I cannot believe. <laughs> Never but listening again. That's what we're here for. We're gonna push your buttons. We're gonna. We're really gonna make you think. Yeah. Please follow us on our social medias. We are mm-hmm. on Facebook and Instagram at that broads got moxie, and on Twitter we are at broads got moxie. Mm-hmm. If you have anything you'd like to say to us, you can email us at that broads got moxie at gmail dot com. Uh, also, rate, review, and subscribe. Yes, and comment. You still can comment the word enchilada, mm-hmm. well, along with another uh, with a full review, not just the word enchilada. Exactly. And <laughs> entered into a raffle. To win a thing made by Cassie. A thing made by me. Mm-hmm. Handcrafted. Very mm-hmm. good. And she's very talented. Thank you. Yes. I'm it. excited. Yeah. Get them in there. We want to. Could be an ornament. Yeah. Christmas is next week. Kiana and Danny and I all celebrate Christmas. Mm-hmm. And we would. What a magical Christmas that would be to have just a whole bunch of like fun, exciting mm-hmm. new reviews. Yes. So go do that. It'll be a Christmas miracle. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, let's all kill Santa. Bye. Stop it. (laughs) Goodbye. Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinnie Navarrete. 
Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.